Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Intelligent Talk Radio. Intelligent Talk Radio. This is The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. You know, it's really shameful, and like I said at the top of the last segment here, not particularly surprising that so many people are unwilling to engage with those views that are not their own. And it's really shameful, and you have people on both sides that just want to completely shut out anyone who doesn't espouse the same view as them. And I get it. We want to be reinforced. We want to be pumped up. We want to hear people that are going to tell us things that we already believe. We love preaching to the choir, and we love being in the choir that's being preached to. But that's not the way you advance a civilization. That's not the way you learn and grow. Look, the greatest evolutions I've ever had in my own outlook have been because I was challenged. Now, it doesn't mean that that evolution takes place in real time when someone says, I disagree with you because this, this, this. But you know what? You hear an idea. You challenge your own bias. You see, okay, what do I have to do for my bias to make sense right now? And you eventually shape it. That's growth. That's progress. And if you are undecided on an issue, one of the most powerful things you can do is be exposed to those on both sides who are experts, who are intelligent, who are respectful, and who are civil, who have the ability to put their ideas to the test and pit them against each other. And then you get to see and hear. But the fact of the matter is, debates are not allowed on campus. Debates are not allowed on campus anymore at so many of these institutions. Ryerson University was going to play host to a group called the Stifling of Free Speech on University Campuses to have Jordan Peterson, Gad Saad, Faith Goldie, another psychology professor as well. And they were going to be talking about free speech being stifled on campus, and it's getting canceled. You can't get more poetic than that. But this is not just a one-off. This is now the norm. If it's not administrators canceling it, it's a mob rule like at Berkeley trying to shut down Milo Yiannopoulos or Ann Coulter. We were talking about that yesterday with author Mark Bray about the Antifa book. All of these different things, whether mob rule, social pressure, pressure towards university administrators, or university censors themselves, they all come around. They all come around. And when it comes down to it, we lose as a result. So you may think in the short term you're winning because, oh, well, this person I don't like and they got shut down. But that same culture, like a a monster of Frankenstein, is going to turn on you as well. My number here, if you want to weigh in, is 1-800-263-2428. 1-800-263-2428. We'll go first to Peter in Edmonton on this one. Peter, you're on the Roy Green Show. Good morning. Or afternoon, I guess. Uh, Yeah, this free speech, I got one question that I'd like someone to answer. When did free speech die? I mean, with Trump right now, we're coming around, you know, the free speech is like, hey, he can say that? Well, maybe I could say what I think. And it's just being brought up to the front. But when did it actually die? Like 60s, 70s, you know, people still said whatever. 
but like, was it the '80s that the disco kill free speech? <laughs> yeah, video killed the radio star. What, and then radio ra- video then killed free speech as well. It's tough because it was a slow death. It wasn't a quick one. It wasn't overnight. It wasn't like some executioner woke up one day and said, all right, free speech, you're done. It was gradual and it was self-imposed. But it does go back to the 60s, at least at the genesis of it, because what started to happen was university campuses started to play host to really Marxist ideas. And and we saw this from the counterculture era of the 60s, and it became the norm there. Well, yeah, but what happened on these campuses is you had these bubbles created where they were so anti-authoritarian that they became authoritarian in and of themselves. So you couldn't challenge what the message of the day was, which was very left-wing, very Marxist, etc. And then you fast forward 20 years, a lot of the people that were the students in the 60s when this was going on were the professors in the 80s. And so it starts on university campuses because they really codified political correctness, which is really what it is that we're up against here. But it's been gradual. It's been over the last 50 years, but now everyone's acting like it's a new problem. See, the thing is, like, uh, North Korea censors free speech, of course, right? So Mm -hmm. does China. So does these countries. Well, do these people that are trying to censor free speech here... Would they be happier maybe living in a society over there? Like I'll pay their airplane ticket. I mean, <laughs> well, if their side know. was the me- if their side was the side that was you know the government approved side, yeah, they would because they don't want any dispute, they don't want any disagreement. And I think you're bang on there, Peter, when you raise the the fact that there is a profound hypocrisy. And look, the censorship that we get on a university or college campus, or the lack of willingness for people to hear differing ideas in Canada or the U.S., these things are not the same as the North Korea censorship, as the Iranian censorship, as the Chinese censorship. That's a lot more of a black and white traditional censorship. What we have now is this mob-imposed censorship. And in a lot of ways, a self-imposed censorship. How many times has anyone ever said, I shouldn't say that because it might offend someone? Not because I shouldn't say it because it's actually offensive. But I shouldn't say it because someone might take offense to that. Look, I work in talk radio. I get to push the envelope more than a lot of people can at their workplace or in general. But there are actual lives that are ruined because someone runs afoul of this unwritten progressive political correctness code. And we all suffer as a consequence. I appreciate the call very much, Peter. We'll go next to Carlo in Toronto in this one. Hi, Carlo. Hi, it's Carlo. Thank you for taking my call. Great show. Thank you. Yeah, I I think if we're not able to to talk and to, to express our ideas, we, we, we sort of stifle ourselves, uh, which is not good. And uh, we should be able to get the message across in a civil way, in a, in, a, in a relaxed way. That's what I think. And I don't know why that is so difficult for people. I mean, I understand intuitively why, but, but fundamentally, it makes no sense that people are that unwilling to even have a calm, rational debate. Why does me disagreeing with you have to mean I hate you? But that distinction is lost for so many people. It's true. We don't have to hate each other. We, just, we have to be able to talk civilly. And a lot of people end up arguing, and that kind of pulls us apart, and then we can't even, you know... You have to discuss an idea, and if we can't discuss an idea, we, we can't learn from it and grow from it. And that's, uh, that's, uh, that's not a good thing. That's really, especially for, for students on a college campus. Yeah. And for professors, they have to be able to communicate and show that, you know, that, that they're educated. And it's, it's kind of making us look stupid. Well, again, th- this is supposed to be an institution of higher learning. 
I mean, of all places in the world where open debate and discourse should be allowed, this is the one. But here we have Ryerson and the University of Alberta and Brandon University and all of these different schools. I could list them from west to east and back that do not have a fundamental understanding or embracing of free speech. And, and you're bang on, Carlo. We all suffer. And I, I appreciate the call because here's one element of this as well. I don't agree necessarily with Carlo on the idea that arguing is bad. I think arguing is great. I think that arguing is at its core, and perhaps I'm being overly idealistic here, putting forward your argument, and then someone else puts forward their argument, and you go back and forth until you can't defend your position anymore. Look, I had coffee and dinner with a friend of mine last night, because I was out of town, and so I figured I'd meet up with this man, and I've had him on my show, actually, because he's a, he's a media guy himself. And the thing that's interesting is he and I have such passionate beliefs about religion and politics. Now, even though we're in alignment on sort of the broader issues of religion and politics, we will have absolute shouting matches with one another about some of the more nuanced details. And we will yell and scream and swear at each other, but it's great because we know it, and we know it's coming from a place of respect. We just get very animated, and this is not the way I'm allowed to debate things on air, so we do it off air. But this is precisely the problem, though, is that so many people will go to that level not because of respect. They'll go to that level because they genuinely hate. And I say that word very specifically. They genuinely hate anyone who disagrees with them. And any idea that runs afoul of what they think the world should be all about. 1-800-263-2428, 1-800-263-2428. We'll go to Jeff in London next on this one. Hi, Jeff. Hey, Andrew. Uh, I'm just going to say that the West is doing a slow dance with death because um, I remember hearing in another radio talk show out of the U.S. that uh, um, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, who was 20 years in the gulag in the early 70s, saw how great the American democracy was, but he could see the cracks starting to form back then. Like you said, the last 45, 50 years uh, with the West, with all this, like as the professor said earlier in your show, in your interview, uh, this cocktail of, of nonsense that is eroding our freedom of speech and intelligent debate. And I just can't help but think that the left has infiltrated us at the media, the university level, entertainment, and there's a whole bunch of young people under 35 don't know the evils of, of uh, uh, communism. No, they glorify it. They wear their communist yeah. flags while unironically condemning fascism, just ignorant to the history of it. Well, did they forget about the non-aggression pact that Stalin signed with Hitler and they carved up Poland? <laughs> Forgetting implies they knew it, and this is the problem, is that in the first place, people don't understand history, which means every single position they put forward is one coming from a place of their feelings in that very given moment. Well, it's just idiocy on their part, because Stalin had the gulag. The they, uh, communism executed more people than the, the, the Nazis did in World War II. And the other fact is that they want a case in point is uh, look at uh, Venezuela right now. They had a thriving middle class democracy 20 or 25 years ago. Now look at the disaster that it is. Oh, yeah. And you're dealing with absolute radicals through and through. People that either are ignorant to the perils of those things or don't care about them. But these are the people that want to tell you and I what we can and, and cannot say. And that, I think, further underscores just how problematic this is. I have to take a break, but I do appreciate the call, Jeff. Thanks very much. When we come back on the other side... I want to hear more from you on this. 1-800-263-2428. 1-800-263-2428. This is Andrew Lawton in for Roy here on the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network.